What is up, everybody? Welcome in to episode 16 of Lockdown Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani, and we have a, a special crossover episode here today with Nash Walker of Lockdown Twins. Dude, thank you uh, for joining me, man. I know things have been have been pretty crazy, but I'm glad to uh, be, be connecting with all the, the AL Central hosts here on the Lockdown Network, so I want to say thank you to joining me for uh, joining me here, man. Oh, yeah, for sure, Chris. You know, we don't have much else to do, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I'm still in my pajamas. It's 3 o'clock here. You and me both, brother. So, uh, yeah, you're, I got a handful of questions here about the Twins. I mean, I, honestly, these crossover episodes provide me with a, a bit of a relief because as much as I love my Tigers, um, not a lot of positive material uh, to go off of with the way things have been going uh, with that organization over the last several years, especially at the major league level. But I got a couple questions here uh, about the now the defending American League Central Division champion. Uh, Can you believe it? I know, right? Uh, uh, Minnesota Twins, and I believe were the odds-on favorites uh, in Vegas to repeat, and that's going to kind of be where I'm going to uh, where I'm going to start here. You know, I think this team they have some real good momentum going. You know, last year they won their first division title in nine years. And in all, it was weird to me because it was almost a, a quiet season for, to a certain extent because everyone was, was paying attention to the Astros, the Dodgers, and the Yankees teams that all won well over 100 games. And then you, I realized in late September, I was like, hey, the Twins won 101 games last year. And they've had a very good offseason so far this year, which uh, I'll ask you about here in a second. But my first question is, as someone who is not only a fan, but also a person who covers them here on the Lockdown Network, is this the most excited you've ever been for for a Twins season? Yeah, Chris, I'll let you in. Uh, you know, I'm I'm still a youngin, so I, I went through a couple of of good teams, good Twins teams. I, I went to uh, Game 163 with the Tigers. I don't know. I don't want to bring that up. Well, hey, look. In, in hindsight, in hindsight, I appreciate it because it, it was one of the be- one of the best baseball games probably the last 20 years. It really was. I was there at the Metronome. I was nine years old. So I was there. Uh, Big Joe Maurer guy, obviously, Justin Morneau, the two MVPs. But, um, you know, the last couple of years, I really we stayed up on it. My dad and I, we stayed up with the twins, of course. And and we always go to games every summer and follow along. We're big twins fans. But it really was tough, you know, through those middle, uh, you know, 2015, 2016. They're losing 100 games, 90 to 100 games every year. And it really was tough. So to see them do what they did last summer and to have this new front office, I think is a huge thing for me is that I, I have a lot of faith in Derek Falvey and Thad Levine at the helm for the twins much more than I did Terry Ryan. So I feel better about this front office and I feel like I'm on board with decisions that they make. I like the developmental system they have. I, I, I like that some of the trades they made, you know, they don't always hit the Sam Dyson deal at the deadline. Wasn't great, but they made some trades that I've really liked Chris and I think it's just that I'm on the same wavelength with where this team, I think, is heading. So, yes, I definitely am the most excited. I think most Twins fans, this is the most excited they've been for at least the younger crowd, you know, other than the uh, 91 club in, in 87. 87, they weren't as good, but, you know, that was the last World Series in 91. But I think this is definitely one of the most exciting seasons or preseasons, rather, for Twins fans. And it really has gone all winter. And I, I'm glad you're going to ask me about the offseason because that was a, a wave of emotions as well. For sure, and that was actually, you know, you bring up the trust that you have currently in the front office, and and as a fan, that is such a such a wonderful thing to have, and while, you know, my Tigers became, made a tradition out of coming up short every year, there was a, a almost a decade-long stretch where you went into every single season thinking, 
maybe this is the year because you felt like they had the right leadership in place to make the moves to put themselves in position to be champions. And and that kind of leads me into my next question. Like you said, you brought up this offseason. You know, you go out, you get Homer Bailey, who after some abysmal years uh, with with, uh, Cincinnati had, had a bit of a resurgence a year ago. You sign Rich Hill to a low-risk, high-reward deal. You trade for Kenta Maeda, who has been, uh, who has proven to be a very versatile, reliable pitcher in his first four seasons in the major leagues. And then you, you, I feel like they kind of shocked a lot of people by making the that big splash, signing Josh Donaldson to a four-year contract that has a uh, fifth-year team option as well. The only negative with those deals is that the youngest of those guys I just named is Kenta Maeda. He's 31 years old, Rich Hill being the oldest at, at 40 years old right now. Now, all those guys have a history of the injury also. Uh, are you concerned about the durability of some of those free agent signings, or does it not really bother you considering the fact that it's win-now mode, you got to go all out for 2020 and 2021? Who cares about what, what the future might hold for these particular guys in terms of their injury history? No, you're exactly right, Chris. That's what it is. It's it's a win now off season is is essentially what they put together. Maeda, I view a little bit differently. I wrote about it at Twins Daily. The Maeda trade, yes, in you know in practice, you're trading a six years of a of a high high caliber arm and Bruce Gratterall for Kenta Maeda, a, a veteran starting pitcher. But they also have him for four years. And yeah, you mentioned, I mean, he's not a spring chicken either. But I do view that one a little bit differently because it gives them cost certainty into the future. But if you look at a guy like Josh Donaldson, bringing in a 34-year-old on a four-year deal, paying him $23 million a year, they would be, I mean, over the moon if he produced, you know, if he had a five-and-a-half war this year. I know it's going to be tough with 162 games. He had a 6.1 war last year on baseball right. reference. If, if he had, you know a combined 10 war in the next two seasons and then had like two two war seasons. I think they'd be happy with that, Chris. I think they knew this is what it was going to take for them to get Josh Donaldson. I also think a big thing is the way that he's kind of been breeding the young prospects and he's just a hitting machine. He loves to talk hitting all the time and he kind of is self-made in a certain sense. Donaldson, his entire approach and his in his hitting ways, but I think this is definitely a move for 2020 and 2021 and that's why it's, you know, from a baseball perspective, this COVID-19 and and suspending the season and potentially not playing is even more disappointing for Twins fans, I think, because a lot of these guys are here to help now. You mentioned Rich Hill, a 40-year-old. They're not asking for Rich Hill for 2021. They they want 15 quality starts if they can get it. There's a chance he never pitches for the Twins because of his elbow. Uh, You know, expected back in June. But if they get 10 starts from Rich Hill and they can use him in October if they get there, they're going to be really happy with that. They added these guys for now, Chris, and that's why it's a little more gut-wrenching when the season gets pushed back or or things might not happen because this team is built to win in 2020 and I think they really showed that this offseason. And you know, I was very I was nervous because they were pursuing Zach Wheeler and uh, they did not end up getting him. They weren't in the final round of bidding. It was the White Sox and the Phillies and uh, maybe the Mets were there on the back end, but I don't think they were ever really interested. And we were always looking at starting pitchers because that's what the Twins needed. They came back with Jose Barrios only, essentially coming into 2020 or coming into this offseason. So, you know, we did have focus on Josh Donaldson. I think I did definitely every day on my podcast because moving Miguel Sano to first uh, really helps the defense and especially putting a guy like Donaldson third in defensive run saved only Chapman and Arenado last year helps the defense a lot and that was a spot they struggled in last year so I definitely was excited about Donaldson I I think the starting pitching I think they patched it up 
uh, decently well. They don't have that front game one surefire arm, but I think they're hoping Jose Barrios can take that next step. But uh, to get off the beaten path a little too much, I, I think going back to the veteran question, it just shows they're built to win now. And their average age of players went up like three years this offseason. Like it's right. They, they are built to win now with veterans. And I think you definitely saw that this winter. Yeah, and it was, and I, I appreciated that, especially in an age where you know half the league is tanking. You know, you're gonna have those teams that are kind of on the in between, but you saw the Twins that they clearly have seen an opportunity, and they've went out and and gotten the guys needed, hopefully to get them over the hump. And that's gonna kind of lead into my third question, and I gotta address the elephant in the room. You know, as good as this team was last year, and despite all the success, uh, they haven't won a playoff game since 2002. Uh, they've lost 16 straight. Uh, most of them coming at the expense of the New York Yankees, including uh, you know, a fairly non-competitive sweep a season ago in the ALDS. I kind of have a two-part question here. One, is it feasible for a team like the Twins to be able to beat a team like the Yankees in a slugfest, or do you just feel like, given you know the, the kind of restrictions in terms of budget, they m- just might not have the firepower? And two, if the answer is yes, you feel like they can beat them, what has to change? Is it is it a personnel thing? Is it a mentality thing? What do you think will be the biggest difference maker to, in order to get this team over the hump? I'm definitely not going to sit here and make excuses, Chris. They they started Randy Dobnak, and Randy Dobnak's an effective pitcher. He's actually fighting for the fifth spot in the rotation, or he was this spring before they shut down. But they started him in game two at Yankee Stadium. And if that doesn't tell you where their starting pitching depth was at at that point in the right. season, I mean, you can't really expect... And we're, I mean, I was optimistic about, about Dauber because he had a great, you know, end of the season. He had a 151 ERA or something like that. Obviously very small sample size, 30 innings, but he went from low A all the way up to the majors and starting game two of a playoff series at Yankee Stadium. The Twins haven't been there since, you know, 2017 in the wildcard game and then 2010 before that. But you just looked at the starting pitching depth. And like I said, they don't have that surefire game one starter. And we all hope that Jose Barrios can make that step up and be better in the second half. You know, he was hurt by the defense in game one. I wouldn't say he was lights out. His stuff was not great. His curveball was not biting and they weren't really waving around at it like, you know, some teams do with his stuff. But he looked at the starting pitching depth and I think from the very beginning they were at a disadvantage there. This is where it might sound like I'm making excuses, but the Twins were absolutely not healthy in that series. You look at Byron Buxton, who is an absolute difference maker when he's out in center field uh, defensively and also figured it out at the plate last year at 827 OPS, I think it was in in 80 plus games, but he just he's having trouble staying healthy and we need him. You know, the Twins need him out there uh, to put the best team on the field. Mitch Garver was hurt with a hip impingement. I think he was 0 for 10 in the series. Max Kepler missed the whole month before the ALDS with a shoulder issue, and he wasn't 100%. So I think there were other factors, Chris. Now you look at it, and objectively, the Yankees were huge favorites in the series. They're a better team than the Twins last year. I think coming into this year, they're going to be looked at differently because I'm high on Josh Donaldson. I'm high on the aura that he brings. I think they're going to be looked at more seriously, and I think you know, what I've kind of pushed across is I really hope that the Twins can get the second seed. And the Astros are still very, very good. I don't want to take anything from them. But, you know, they do have an, a core that 
looking forward, they have the, the worst farm system in the American League by MLB pipeline. Uh, Justin Verlander yeah. and Zach Greinke are not getting any younger. I look at this American League, and I hope that the Twins can jump the Astros first and then kind of hope that come October, you know, things happen in October that are unforeseen. The Nationals were a couple outs away from being eliminated in the wildcard game. So in a certain sense, I think of October as a little bit of a crapshoot, but you're right, Chris. They weren't better than the Yankees last year. I think they've worked this offseason to try to bring up their firepower really help the starting pitching depth Maeda and you know Homer Bailey's more of a fill-in guy in my eyes like his splitter a lot but I'm not crazy about him and then Michael Pineda re-signing and Jake Odorizzi I think they're trying to get more depth for October and bringing Rich Hill in who they hope is healthy come playoff time so I think you look at the team now they're deeper on the pitching staff for sure especially if they can stay healthy. of course if they can stay healthy but you can't start Randy Dobnak who again I think is a great pitcher borderline fifth starter in the major league starting game two of a playoff series at Yankee Stadium and expect really to make it competitive. And then you go down 2-0 and you come back here and I was at game three here in Minneapolis and it's just a totally different feeling, you know, and the bats did mm -hmm. go cold in that series as well. So, uh, yeah, I think you looked at the two offenses last year and at their absolute peak, the Yankees and Twins, I think, were like five runs off of each other and uh, Twins – 307 homers Yankees 306 so it looked like they matched up nicely on paper Yankees had a lot of injuries and then Stanton came back they didn't pitch to them all series but I think yeah Chris I I hope that they can be better than the Astros get a better seed than the Astros and then kind of roll the dice in the playoffs against the Yankees and that might sound a little crazy because the last 16 years when we've rolled the dice uh, hasn't gone in our favor so I, I really want them to get the two seed try to avoid the Yankees in the first round and then roll the dice in the ALCS. And I think, you know, winning the division and winning a playoff series would be a huge step forward for this franchise. Absolutely. And, and look, you, you say about, you know, rolling the dice and getting roll and getting things going. I mean, I, you see weird things in October and you feel like with a team like the twins, who is still, even despite the, the veteran signings and trades, we talked about a pretty young team. You get the impression if you, it, it's similar with the nationals where you always felt like if the nationals could get past that that block of getting past the NLDS, they could make something special happen. Maybe that's the case in Minnesota. Now, I do have two more questions for you. We are going to take a short break here, but first, going to do a quick live read for Withings. That's Withings. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings' body plus the best overall smart scale in 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option and it means you need to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at Withings.com for a very limited time. Go to Withings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com backslash MLB to get 25% off body plus body composition scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% body plus body composition scale. We will be right back with a few more questions here for Nash. 
And we're back. So I got a couple more questions here for you, buddy. The The next one is, you know, last year, I think the Twins had, you know, it was a relatively optimistic mood coming into the regular season, but you knew they needed to get some breakout seasons from uh, guys that had been yet to really uh, show, really dominate at the major league level. And they got that. Last year, we, oh, of course, I'm getting a call. Sorry, I was getting a call there. I will edit that out. Uh, last year, this team saw a breakout season from Jorge Polanco. You know, made the all-star team, led the Twins in war, according to Baseball Reference, a season ago. And you also saw a resurgent career-best season from Jake Odorizzi. Based on what you saw in spring training and based on what you've heard, which members of the organization do you feel like have the best shot to break out this season the way those two did in 2019? It's tough, Chris, because honestly, and I talked about it the other day, is this team wouldn't have been nearly as good, of course, without the breakouts. I mean, Nelson Cruz was their best hitter, and a lot of people picked him as their team MVP for the Twins. I picked Polanco myself because he was so durable. If you look at and how many breakouts they did get that contributed to the 101 victories. Max Kepler and Wright was outstanding, had 36 homers, and, and was just a force at the top of the lineup. And uh, Buxton was great for half the season and got hurt. Left field, Eddie Rosario had a down, down year. He's really the only one in the starting lineup, Chris, that was below or close to below league average, was still above league average. They had 10 above league average hitters. But you look around the diamond, Miguel Sano was great in the games that he played. He had a 138 OPS+. plus. You mentioned Jorge Polanco, who's the starter in the All-Star game. Really, really good April and May. Kind of flustered a bit down the stretch. I think he was running out of gas. He actually got ankle surgery this offseason. Luis Arias came up and hit 334 in 92 games, and he was just a, a came out of nowhere, essentially. He was a prospect in the 15 to 25 range, so not completely out of nowhere, but no one expected him to come up and hit 334, even though he's done it in his minor league career. And we kind of looked at him and said, small, stockier second baseman with no power, so he must be not be valuable. Now he came up and hit 334, and that was fun to watch. And then now you move Miguel Sano to first in place of your guy now, CJ Crone. Uh, right. who we loved having. He was I loved watching CJ play. I tweeted out at him when they uh, when we lost him to the Tigers. I loved watching him play, and you're going to enjoy him. I think he might hit 30 to 35 this year if they can get 150 games in. But um, I I look around the diamond, and it's hard to choose. But the one guy that stands out is Jose Brios on the mound that needs to take that next step. And he's made the All Star game the last two years, but they need him to be better in the second half. That's the one thing. You know, he's been an All Star because he's so good in the first half, and then. Come August, he has like a 550 ERA. I just, you need him to be consistent. They think that they figured it out this spring. They think that they have a plan for him this offseason. He was not pushing cars on his Instagram page and pulling trucks with uh, heavy ropes. And that's what he does. I mean, he's just, he's the hardest worker in the room. But they said, dude, you got to, you got to calm down because we need you to be fresh in August. And I think he's really bought into that. And they're hoping that he can be fresh down the stretch, even and if, especially if there's a shortened season. Uh, it would be great to have him strong for four-fifths of the year rather than three-fifths, what he has been for the last two years. So I look at Jose Barrios. And when you mentioned resurgence, Chris, I, not from the bottom to the top, because Barrios is there. You know, He's a 25 to 35 range pitcher, I think, in my mind. He's a 380 ERA, 368 last year. And they just need him to become a top 15 who's going to start in game one if they're not going to go get that starter for the playoffs. So they need him to take a step forward, and he would be my pick. And they need him. Like I said, they just they need that to happen. That's one of the biggest things, biggest, you know, 
success is hinging essentially in the playoffs on Jose Barrios taking that next step forward. Or if it's going to be older as he takes another step, I don't think that's perceived as 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 likely because he was, you know, a league average starter before last year. And, and Kenta Maeda is going to be who he has been for four years, which is a solid two or really, really solid number three. So I look at Jose Barrios, Chris, as that guy. Yeah, no, I'm with you because I've I've grown to really like him a lot as a pitcher. I think he's he hasn't been used over the last couple of years to pitching the amount of innings that he's been asked to pitch and and should be expected to pitch, you know, being the ace of that staff. And I think it's led to probably some fatigue down the stretch. I mean, both really the last three years, you saw him kind of take a step back in the second half of the season. But uh, I think he, he has Cy Young caliber stuff. So I think, yeah, if he steps up, you could be, this could be a, an even more dangerous team than um, even the experts are picking them to be. Now, my last question, one thing I take extremely seriously, and I think is a very fun thing to debate, is uh, Hall of Fame uh, pedigree. Who belongs in the Hall? Who doesn't? You know, obviously, coming up here in the next few years, there's going to be a heated debate. And my question for you, um, do you think Joe Maurer, sh- do you think he should be in Cooperstown? And do you think he will? It's a two-part question. Yeah, that's. I talked about this on the show a week and a half ago as well, Chris. Really good question. It's one of the biggest Twins questions now, especially with no baseball, is uh, Joe Maurer. Uh, I think, you know, the perception is you're obviously going to hear, and this is true with any player, from their fan base you're going to hear, oh, absolutely, but especially for Joe Maurer, a guy who's homegrown, you know, played high school ball in, in St. Paul, never left the Twins. You know, there's concern that he was going to leave the Twins for the Yankees, which would have been a nightmare, but you look at Joe Mowers as the hometown kid, Chris, and I look at it, I, I think I have a more, uh, I guess, non-biased view because I was young. I was a big Joe Maurer fan, but I was pretty young. You know, I was I was nine, nine when he won the MVP award. So, uh, you know, I think I look at it more objectively when I just look at the numbers that he put up, but he really did have a, a, an extreme ability to get on base. He got on base at a 388 clip in his 15-year career. He hit, he's a career 306 hitter. And I think I was arguing with this with my buddies the other night. Uh, one of my buddies, I just, you know, I'm a hothead when it comes to anything twins with my buddies. But the, one of my buddies said, you know, Buster Posey's better than was better than Joe Maurer. And we were kind of looking at the career numbers. And I think the thing that really puts Buster over the top or anyone over the top is postseason success. Right. And Joe never really had that. That's not entirely his fault. Um, you know, there was that foul ball. <laughs> I think that was 2009 as well. That foul ball. It was Phil Cuzzy called foul and it was clearly fair. Um, I'm clearly not over that either. Right. No, I, I know exactly. I can tell. tell. You know what I'm talking about? I forgot. Oh yeah. I think that was, that was 09. Cause that was the, that was the year the Yankees won it all. Yeah, that was at Yankee Stadium. Um, yeah. But things, I mean, I feel like Joe never really got this This Twins brass, Chris, before Derek Falvey and Thad Levine came in in 2016 and, and have made the playoffs in two of the last three years, was really one that looked at the team and said, hey, this is a good 90-win club. Uh, you know, they're good teams. And and when they had uh, Morneau and Maurer through 2006 and 2010 in those years and winning the division, uh, they looked at it and they said, hey, this is a good 90-win team. Let's trot them out there and take our chances. And I think the difference is that this brass has said, okay, we have a good team with a good core. Let's go get a guy like Josh Donaldson. You know, let's get someone who we think is going to put us over the top. Let's splurge a little bit in free agency and spend some money. This is going to be a team high record payroll by far this year. And I think it really is a refreshing sight to see. And I think for Joe, he never really got that from his front office of we're going to supplement you, Joe. You're an MVP caliber player. Let's supplement you and let's have some success in the postseason or at least try to. 
But I look at him a career 55 war. I think the Hall of Fame range is 55 to 70 or 50 to 70. I know that's not everything in war, but uh, I think the thing that really derails him is those last few years at first base. And he wasn't bad, Chris. He had one year in his whole career where he was under league average, and that was in 2015. His OPS plus was 98. But he was largely a league average hitter in those years. And I think it really is a good question. In my eyes, yes, he is, because in 2004, you know, OPS plus 138. Uh, 2006, 936 OPS, that's 144. And then, of course, in 2009, was just world beating. Hit 365, 444 on base, 587 slug. Um, and he was a catcher, you know? And I think that's that's the big thing, too, is that he's a catcher with these numbers, winning the MVP award. And I think it is a good question because of those last years at first base. If he never would have moved, I know this is just all hypothetical. If he never would have moved, yes, he'd be a, a surefire, probably first ballot. Um, but he moved because he was hurt and never really hit the same because of those injuries. I think he was he was drawn down. And then, you know, it just ended up being kind of a, an ending that people weren't very fond of. And he, he kind of left a sour taste in some Twins fans' mouths because they forgot how good he was. And I think baseball fans in the hall will have to remember what it felt like when Joe was a world beater, you know, behind the dish in 2009, hitting 365. So it's going to be a good debate, Chris. It's going to be fun to watch. I certainly hope he gets in. Um, I guess I don't have like a definitive uh, hot. Yes, absolutely. Or no, he shouldn't. I think it's going to be borderline. And I think we uh, we are expecting it to be borderline. I hope he gets in because he's a hometown hero. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on the state of Minnesota. Well, no, I completely understand that. And I think the way things have gone the last couple of years with the Veterans Committee and, and obviously the, the uh, much improved uh, incorporation of analytics and sabermetrics into not just today's game of baseball, but you can go back and look at the pat baseball in the past. And there's certain guys, Larry Walker being a perfect example, who wasn't Larry Walker was not going to be a Hall of Famer. And then you go back and you look at some of his numbers a lot more closely and you realize that yeah, this guy absolutely belongs in, belongs in Cooperstown. I think... Uh, you look at somebody, too, like Yadier Molina, who I think will probably, uh, and there, there's the media narrative that kind of pushes this, uh, will probably be a Hall of Fame guy. I mean, he's a legend in St. Louis, you know, has two World Series rings, has been the heart and soul of that organization for for all, uh, 15 years plus. Yadier Molina has a 40-career war. Mauer's 55.3, and Molina's got what? I don't mean to cut you off, but I go to school uh, at Mizzou. And if Yadier Molina does not get into the Hall of Fame, they're they're going to be riots. Right, right, exactly. And I'm not I'm not voting against it. I just think if you you if you're going to put one guy in, you gotta you gotta put another guy in who put up in his prime better numbers. It's a, it's a strange uh, career trajectory because Mauer absolutely had a Hall of Fame prime, but he didn't have a whole lot of years that some other guys were able to have where they kind of uh, pad their stats a little bit. He was never able to really do that, but it'll be a it'll be a very interesting case when when the time comes for him to be up for the Hall of Fame. But uh, that's gonna do it for today's show. Nash, thank you uh, for joining me. Before we head out, you want to just go ahead and plug your social media real quick. Oh yeah, thank you at Nash Marker Nine on Twitter uh, at Locked On Twins, and then continue to listen to Chris. Uh, phenomenal job, Locked On Tigers. No, I appreciate you, man. And you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two o one four. You can follow this show on Twitter at Locked On Tigers. If you have a question for our mailbag segment, you can find me there, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And if you want, go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. I think it's Apple Podcasts now. And leave a leave a positive review if you, if you enjoy listening to this podcast and follow Nash on all those platforms as well. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. 
and go. You as well. I got a hot take for your Tigers in 2020. Hopefully, if we get started here, uh, Miguel Cabrera, 25 homers, Chris. Let's hope so. Hopefully, they hopefully they play enough games for him to do it. Yeah, true. That's true. Thanks again. Yep, and have a great rest of your day, everyone, and go Tigers.